Thank you, brother. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Well, we are continuing our series all in. Pastor Ty kicked this series off with a bang last week. If you missed it last week, go back, listen to the podcast, watch the, the, the live stream from last week. Fantastic, challenging message. And today, I'm excited to continue on in this series uh, with you. So, I came across a story, and I didn't initially believe it because it was so wild. I actually looked it up to make sure I was telling you a true story, and it is. I found it in the Chicago Tribune uh, archives from like 1995, I believe it was. Uh, it was in like March of 1995. There was a construction worker working on the top of a water tower that was almost completed near Chicago. And uh, he was welding up there. And he detached his safety harness because he needed to reach some pipes, which I'm sure OSHA was not thrilled about. And as he did such, a cage shifted and it hit the scaffold that he was standing on. And he lost his balance and he fell from the top 110 feet and hit the ground. And his co-worker was like, that's not pretty. And he called 911 and the paramedics arrived. And when they got there, he was conscious and alive. And he was complaining, my back hurts a little bit, understandably so. So they put him on a backer board, and as they carried him towards the ambulance, he only had one request for the paramedics. And do you know what that was? Don't drop me. That's true. That's not a joke. That's a true story. I guess he kept his sense of humor. I don't know. Don't drop me. But uh, uh, today we're looking at, at the story of one of my favorite biblical characters. I love preaching him because I see so much of myself in the mirror when I preach about Peter. I, I, I hear Peter's story and I'm like, yep, that's me. Every time I'm like, oh, I've done that. And, and Peter, it just, talk about the number of insert foot into mouth moments. I have so many of those. Um, talk about the number, uh, like the guy exudes passion. I love that about him. He is like an all out, let's go get him kind of guy. But, but that kind of perhaps is misguided at times. I mean, if Jesus is telling you to get behind me, Satan, you probably misspoke. Um, he has fallen his face moments. He has moments of tremendous victory. He gets reprimanded. When Jesus goes back to the Father, Peter's not done being reprimanded. Paul comes along and is like, time for me to yell at you a little bit. He, like, he needs to be straightened out often. And, uh, and so I see myself in that, but also just the desire to serve Jesus with every portion of his being. He was so sold out for Christ. And I love that about Peter. And so um, we're going to go through a little bit of his, Peter's early timeline. In the book of John chapter 1, it opens up and it tells us that, uh, that Peter is actually from an area known um, as Bethsaida, which is uh, not metropolitan. Let's just say that. It's, at, uh, it, it's the backwoods. <laughs> it's, uh, it was the far, far, far northern edge of the country. And, uh, and, even, and, and they were at the very north shore of the Sea of Galilee. They were perched way up there. And his hometown was a very small, backwoods town. It was su such a distinct area that he had a distinct accent that could be identified. People could hear him and be like, what part of Galilee are you from? It's, it's like when you hear an Australian accent, you know, it's just like, or, you know, what, what, it's that distinct. People heard it and they're like, you're from there, aren't you? You know, that, that's the kind of backwoods he was. And so he had, I like to think of it as a drawl, like an Aramaic drawl, if there was one, like a Southern drawl of, <laughs> with an Aramaic language. So people would hear that. And, and, and Peter, so he's born in this little spot up there and he's born into a fishing village and he was the family of fishermen and he himself was a fisherman. And his family, his people weren't wealthy. They were very much a, lived a hand-to-mouth lifestyle. 
They lived a lifestyle that I think a lot of people in our world could actually identify with, paycheck to paycheck. They lived a life where he was working to make ends meet. If he caught food, that was the food they had to eat, or they could trade it for something else. That was his livelihood. And if they didn't catch anything, they were in big trouble. And so he lived a hand-to-mouth lifestyle, paycheck to paycheck, kind of an an everyday average Joe blue-collar guy. And the Bible tells us that Peter got married and he had a family, and that he moved to a place called Capernaum, or Capernaum, which was about four miles from where he was born. So not very far. He moved just up the shore, literally up the shore to Capernaum. And uh, he moved from his childhood home when he got married into the home of his mother-in-law. Yeah. Um, So Jesus then comes along and calls Peter and he drops everything. He leaves everything to follow Jesus. And I don't know if this has to do with him living with his mother-in-law. The Bible doesn't elaborate on that. But we can draw our own conclusions. So he's living with his mother-in-law and Jesus comes along and says, come follow me. He's like, you got it. And he left and followed Jesus. And, and Jesus calls him and he follows him. And he, Jesus, while, when, after Jesus calls him, he says, what's your name? And he says, my name is Simon. His original name was Simon. And Jesus says, that's a nice name. I'm going to change that. I'm going to call you Peter. And he says, I'm going to call you Peter because on this rock, I'm going to build my church. Because Peter in uh, the Greek means Petros, which is rock or stone. And he says, on this rock, I'm going to build my ecclesia. I'm going to build the, the family of God that's, that's going to grow out of this. And so Peter follows Jesus and he sees him start to do miracles. And Jesus starts doing some incredible things. One of the very first miracles Jesus does is Jesus heals his mother-in-law. He comes into his house and heals his mother-in-law. Again, the Bible doesn't tell us necessarily how he felt about that, but he did. And then... Not long after this, he sees Jesus go a step, a lot of steps further. He raises a dead girl back to life in the house of a guy named Jairus. And then, and then right after that, Jesus restores the sight to two blind men that were following them looking for healing. And then Jesus cast a demon out of a possessed man. And then on top of it, this is kind of right before our story we're going to get into, Jesus feeds 5,000 people. Actually, the Bible says 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. It could have been well over 10,000 people. With a single basket of fish and chips. He feeds the whole crew. And, and he sees these miracles. And so directly then, after this dinner service that Jesus offers, Jesus tells the disciples, we're going to go on a trip. He says, get in the boat. And so this is where our story picks up. Matthew chapter 14. So if you have your Bibles, open to Matthew 14 with us. We're going to read uh, the next about 10 verses here, starting in verse 22. It says this. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted... That his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. And after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land, for a strong wind had arisen and they were fighting heavy waves. And about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. And in fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. Now, we give the disciples a hard time about believing in ghosts or whatnot. They saw a guy walking on water. I kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. So, I mean, that seems like the most mild of solutions rather than an actual person walking on water. But they were freaking out. They saw Jesus and they thought it was a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once and said, do not be afraid. Take courage. I am here. And then Peter called to him, Lord... If it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. 
So Peter went over the side of the boat, and he walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified, and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. And the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Wow. Wow. What a crazy story. Sometimes I think we, we come up in Christendom, our, our, our lives are around evangelicalism, and we hear this story and we kind of go, yeah, that was a cool story. Can you imagine that actually happening? What a crazy story. So the disciples are out on a three-hour tour, and it turns bad, and Jesus comes skating across the water, and Peter said, if that's really you, Jesus, and not a ghost, tell me to get over the side of the boat. Apparently his test for a ghost is it can't lie. I don't know. And Jesus was like, it's me, come on out. And Peter goes, okay, I believe him. And he hops out and he starts walking on water. He sees the wind and the waves, he starts to panic and he starts to sink. But immediately it says Jesus grabs him and pulls him up and says, why did you have so little faith? Then they jump back in the boat and the wind and the waves calm down. It's a crazy story, but this moment where Jesus is walking across the water and Peter says, Jesus, is that you? And if it is, tell me to get out of the boat. Peter comes to a point of decision in his life. We just recapped the first little bit of Peter's life, his, his background, which many of us, I think most of us, could identify with. An average Joe, pay t- paycheck to paycheck, just making ends meet. Jesus called him. He decides to follow him. He sees miracles. He hears third-party stories of miracles, other disciples telling about things they've seen, other people that have been following Jesus telling about things they've seen. They've heard all these stories. But then Peter comes to a moment in his life where he has to decide... Is Jesus who he really says he is? Is this real for me? Do I believe this miracle working Jesus for myself? I've seen Jesus heal the sick. I've seen Jesus heal my mother-in-law. I've seen him raise the dead. I've seen him supply food for multitudes. I've heard stories from my family's experiences. But do I trust Jesus for myself? He's seen it all. He's followed Jesus, but now it's time to say, am I going to step out truly believing that Jesus that did all these miracles will do the same for me? Is he this same God? And so he comes to this moment, this point of decision that we're all going to face in our lives where we have to decide, Jesus' dominion, it may span the universe, but does it encompass my heart? Jesus' dominion might span the entire universe. He has dominion over all things, but does he have dominion over my heart? This was a pivotal moment for Peter. He stepped out onto the water, and when he stepped out, and it was solid, Jesus went from being a miracle worker, Jesus went from being a religious sage, from being a a really charismatic rabbi that knew how to one-up everybody else, even being a faith healer. Jesus went from all of those things to being the one he put his trust in, because if Jesus didn't follow through, he would have sunk. He would have died. And so Peter took a real literal step. He stepped out of the boat and suddenly this relationship with Jesus became incredibly personal, didn't it? It suddenly became so real and personal to Peter. This is not just someone that I hear people talk about, hear people sing about, hear uh, other miracles, but he's my God and he's my savior in this moment. And so Peter steps out in this very real moment. And I think this is why just two chapters later in chapter 16, 
Peter has this encounter with Jesus when Jesus asks, who are people saying that I am? And everybody says, well, some say you're a prophet. Some people say you're this or that, you know, you're, you're um, all these different things. But then the, Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I think this is the point of change in Peter's life where he recognizes just who Jesus is. You see, we can carry all kinds of opinions about Jesus. We can hear the stories. We can read the miracles. We can hear the third-party sources. But until we step out and trust Jesus for ourselves, his dominion can go no further. So Peter steps out of the boat. And the Bible doesn't say how far he got. It says he starts walking towards Jesus. I wonder how many steps he got in. I wonder if he turned back to the boat. He's like, can you believe that? I wonder how many steps Peter got out there, but he steps out, he gets away, and then he looks and he sees the wind and he sees the waves and he's terrified, it says, and then he begins to sink like a stone, like a rock. Maybe that's why Jesus named him Peter, like a rock, I don't know. He starts to sink like a rock and, and, and Jesus immediately says, the Bible says, Jesus immediately reaches out and grabs him. I love the urgency of Jesus' response here. He doesn't say, I'll let him bob for a minute or come up for a couple times before I grab him. Let him really think about what he's done. Maybe he should trust me more and he'll think about that as he goes under. There's an immediacy to Jesus. He, 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 ur- urgency to his grasp. He grabs Peter and he says, he says, immediately he was there. Can I tell you something? That Jesus will not let you go under. Jesus will not let you go under. When we step out in faith, when we get out of the boat, Jesus won't let us go under. Even when we fail, even when our faith falters, Jesus won't let you go under. If you step out and trust. You see, when we commit to go all in with Jesus, there's going to be moments of failure. I wish I could tell you, when you commit to go all in with Jesus, it is going to be awesome. You'll never make a mistake and you're just going to be living every victory. There's going to be times when you sink. There's going to be times where we fail, where we stumble. But I can tell you this, Jesus will not let you go under. He is always on time. He is always there. You know, we may feel like, oh, he, he's not there on time. He's not. He's too late. Jesus is never late. The, the, the artist, uh, the Christian artist Lecrae has this line. He says, Jesus is never late. We're just often not patient enough. Jesus is there. He's ready to, to grab us. And so our timeline might not be God's timeline. But, but let me tell you, Jesus will not let you go under. And Jesus pulls Peter up. And the first thing he says to him is, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? And this has always bothered me in this story as I read it. This is the one that's always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. He says to Peter, he, he kind of scolds him. He says, you have so little faith. I mean, the man just walked on water. He's a water walker. I'm not a, I've never walked on water. Go fill your bathtub up. Give it a try. I've never done it. The guy just walked on water. And last I checked, there were 11 dudes still sitting on the boat that didn't get scolded. Why is Peter getting scolded by Jesus? This really bothered me, but I, I meditated on this, this this week as I was preparing. I was thinking about this. And first of all, I think there's something really important we need to draw from this. It's not our job to compare our walk with the other followers of Jesus' walk. Where the disciples were at had no bearing on what was going on between Peter and Jesus. Jesus was having a talk with Peter about what was going on in Peter's life. So often we take it upon ourselves that I need to judge what's going on with other believers, what's going on with other people in their walk with Christ. When Jesus was dealing with Peter on what was going on in that moment, you see, Jesus was speaking to Peter, addressing Peter at where he was at. And when we start measuring our maturity, 
our achievement, our spiritual laurels against other believers, we've already lost. We've already lost. Jesus wasn't going to pull Peter up and go, you know what? That was pretty good. I mean, considering the other followers, you're doing A-OK. I'd give it a solid 92%. (laughs) Jesus was talking to Peter where he's at. Secondly is this. Jesus' reprimand of Peter came because Peter had already been experiencing the miracle. This is something my wife pointed out to me. I was, I was working on some other things. I was telling her about what I was working on. She said, Jesus was upset because Peter had already been walking on water. He had experienced the miracle. What happened to him? You see, the reprimand came because Peter was already walking in the miracle. Liquid water had become solid matter. That had happened. And he was walking in it. And yet his eyes moved from Jesus to the wind and to the waves. His eyes suddenly shifted. And, and the wind and the waves became bigger to Peter than Jesus. Did you hear that? The wind and the waves became bigger to Peter than Jesus was. Fear took over his mind. You see, fear wants to make us rethink what we're doing. What was I thinking gaining out of that boat? Yeah, I mean, the first step worked, but I can't trust the next one. Uh, It makes us doubt. It makes us question. What was I thinking? Did I really hear God? Did Jesus really say that? Would a ghost lie to me? Was that a real miracle I just experienced? Was that a real miracle or was that just a happenstance? Was that just good luck? Um, Was Why am I out here alone? Oh, I wonder if Peter thought that. No other disciples have gotten out. They've seen me walking on the water. Why am I out here alone? I stepped out. Where is everybody else? There must be something wrong with me. And Peter succumbs to the fear and he succumbs to the doubt and he calls out, Save me, Lord. And... uh, I don't think that he used a gruff sailor voice when he did that. Save save me, Lord. Mm, Help out. I think he squawked like a chicken. I think it was the most high-pitched kind of thing. Because actually the word translated, I I went into my Greek lexicon, and it actually means to croak like a raven. (laughs) Save me, Lord! There was not much dignity, but he was going to die. It's the kind of voice we would make when we think we're going to die. And instantly Jesus was there. And despite Peter's failure, Jesus was there. And Jesus didn't let him go under. And the Bible tells us that Peter and Jesus then climbed back into the boat. And then the wind and the waves stopped. This is where I think Peter deserves a lot of credit. Sometimes we skip over this part here. But did you notice that... Peter got out of the boat while the wind and the waves are still going. He didn't say, Jesus, if that's you, calm this weather down and then tell me to walk on that water. He got out of the boat in the middle of the storm. Before the miracle happened, he trusted Jesus. Before the solution was in hand, he knew and he stepped out that Jesus had a miracle going. You see, when we step out, God is already working on the miracle. I love that. When we step out in faith and in trust, we might not see the answer yet, but God is already working on the miracle. More often than not, we like to say, okay, Jesus, when you do the miracle, man, my faith will grow. Then I will really know that I can trust you. Uh, When I understand everything, why this is happening, when I understand why the storm came, why you insisted we go across the lake and this storm came, then I will trust you. But Peter didn't wait for all those solutions. He didn't wait for all the answers. He stepped out. Because when we step out, God is already working on the miracle. I've mentioned before that I enjoy listening 
to uh, podcasts. It's how I fill my time when I'm driving. It's my favorite thing to do. And I listen to some really odd ones. I'll be honest with you. I love true crime ones. I love just odd factual ones. I listen to leadership ones. I, I listen to one that's a science and medical-based one, but it, it dumbs it down for people of my intellect, so it's, it's helpful. But uh, in this particular one, I learned something really fascinating I had never known before. Um, and it was this. They talked about this. When a baby is conceived, that embryo is viewed by the mother's body as a foreign invader. I didn't know that. I thought the baby's, the, the, the mother's body was like, ooh, a baby. But because the mother's genes are there, which is totally fine with the mother's body, and the father's genes are there, that's where the problem comes in. And the mother's body goes, foreign invader, we got to get rid of it. And it wants to send white blood cells and attack that thing and get rid of it. But there's a miracle that happens that goes on within the woman's body. You see, by God's design, and this wasn't a Christian podcast, they didn't say by God's design, but I figured that out. By God's design, the woman's body grows a whole new organ. And this organ comes and it literally envelops those few cells of that baby's embryo and that organ is called the placenta. It envelops that and and it guards that little baby from what would be the mother's immune system attacking it. And this, this new organ sits around the baby and it protects this baby. And, this, and, and, and not only that, but as the baby grows and gets bigger, the placenta then embeds itself into the womb of the mother and then it goes to fight for the baby. It goes to war. It starts sending out these signals. It starts sending out uh, these hormones to the mother's body, signaling it. I need blood I need because it thinks it's being attacked. I need blood. I need nutrients. And all these nutrients start flooding into the baby. And the baby's able to grow because there is this buffer that goes on with what the placenta is doing that's actually fighting for the baby. And all these nutrients are flooding into the baby. And it's able to grow. And it's able to mature. And it's able to be born healthy and strong because of what happens in that mother. It's incredible. And I went to Hosanna after I listened to this a few weeks ago. I was like, I told her the whole story. I was like, and then this happens. And then this happens. And did you know? And she goes, not really. I guess I didn't really know all that. And I was devastated. I said, we've had two children and we didn't know how it worked. We've gone through two full pregnancies and we didn't understand how the placenta hides the embryo and, and there's this biological tug of war for, for nutrients and all this and we didn't understand it. But can I tell you that despite not knowing all the finer details of what was going on, the miracle was still happening inside of her. We didn't need to have it all figured out. God was doing the miracle. God was doing his thing. Can I tell you in our lives, we don't have to understand all the finer workings or what God's doing. He's already at work in the miracle. We might not see it, but God is doing the miracle. When we step out, the miracle's already being worked on. He's doing something. Here's what I'm saying. God is already working. The miracle is already happening, even when I can't feel it. Even when I don't know it. Even when I feel tired. Even when I feel alone. Even when I don't understand it. God is still creating something new. God is still birthing something new in us. And we just need to step out and trust Him. The miracle's already happening. The storm is still going. I don't get it, but I believe you're working for me, God. I believe you're working for me, God. You see, we don't need to have a perfect understanding or all the answers for Jesus to be doing the miracle. And we can step out while the storm still rages. We can step out while the storm still rages. That's the miracle. Peter didn't wait till the water was 
placid. He didn't wait till they were in four feet of water, three feet of water by the shore. He said, I'm going to step out now in the storm, Jesus. Today, Jesus is calling us. It's time to get out of the boat, church. It's time to get out of the boat. The boat the disciples were in, I was thinking about this. They were in Peter's hometown. It wasn't long after Jesus had called Peter. It was probably Peter's own boat. That boat may have been generationally his boat. He may have built that boat with his own hands. We don't know. But you think about Peter's background as a fisherman. That boat was everything he knew. He knew what it was capable of. He knew what he was capable of. And he could have said when he saw Jesus, I have trust in this boat. I will be the captain of my own fate. I will be the captain of my destiny. I, I, maybe Jesus, you can handle things on the external. I will take care of what I want to control right here. But, but Peter trusted Jesus fully. He said, it's time to get out. It's time for Jesus to be my God. It's time for Jesus to be my God. In verse 33, it says that Peter and Jesus then got back into the boat and then the wind stopped. And then the disciples worshipped him and they said, you really are the son of God. Then the disciples worshipped. I think it's interesting here. You see, our faith will in turn change the people around us. Peter and Jesus get back in the boat And the disciples don't get on a criticism bent like, See, Peter, you should have trusted Jesus a little more. I saw you sink there. Can't hide that. We saw it. There was nothing that could happen other than seeing Jesus and seeing what happened and what just occurred. And they fell down and worshipped. Their faith changed. You see, our story, your faith, your stepping out, your going all in will change the people around you. It can't help but change the people around you. They see the story that's being written. They see what's happening. And it will change the people around you. So this morning as we close, there's a few things I want to talk about. First of all, I don't know what storm you're going through. We all have different storms. Uh, There's someone that once said, you're either coming out of a storm or you're getting ready to go into the next storm. (laughs) Life has storms. There are difficulties. There are times that it's really, really challenging. But I was listening to someone that got to go on a trip to Israel and when they were at, the, at Galilee, they got to go up into the hills and actually see where Jesus would have fed the 5,000 in those same hills where Jesus would have prayed. And the view over the Sea of Galilee is so clear. And, and the person up there said this. They said, while the disciples were in the storm down on the Sea of Galilee, they wouldn't have been able to see Jesus way up in the hills. But we can tell you this, Jesus would have been able to see the disciples. There might be times where we feel Jesus is far away, but he sees you. He sees you struggling in your storm. He sees you, but he will not let you go under. Jesus won't drop you. Just like Andy read that construction worker, don't drop me. Jesus won't drop you. He won't let you go under. So here's what we're going to do as we close this morning. We're going to do our connection cards, and I really appreciate your candidness, your candor. Last week, as we wrote on our connection cards, our responses to what Pastor Ty preached about, we prayed over you last week. We prayed that those steps that you have committed yourself to, to following Jesus more closely, we, 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 we pled at the throne 
of grace, that God would take you to those next steps of a deeper walk with Him. But here's what I want you to do today. On your connection card, you can go to nlcchurch.com slash connect. You can go to the QR code that we'll put up on the screen here. Go to the QR code, go to the connection card, and in the comment section, I want you to write down the thing that God is calling you to step out of the boat into. What's God calling you to step out of the boat and trust Him with today? If you're trusting Jesus for salvation for the first time, maybe you've been rowing yourself through life and you've been doing it all in your own terms and you realize, I can't do this alone, I need Jesus. If that's you, mark that you on that connection card that you were giving your life to Jesus. There's an actual box for that, let us know. If you have decided that the next step out of the boat for you is to get baptized, saying, Jesus, I'm ready to be baptized. I I know that this is what you've called us to do as followers of Christ. Let us know on that connection card. Take that step. Maybe for you, it's financial sacrifice. You have been living life on your terms with your finances, saying, I need to be the person that kind of controls these finances. I don't want to trust you with this, God. And he's saying, it's time to release to me what is mine so that I can bless you. If that's your stepping out of the boat, let us know. Write it down. We'll pray for you. If it's finding a place to serve in the church, write that down. Maybe it's serving a neighbor. Maybe it's restoring a relationship that was broken. Maybe it's stepping out of a relationship that you should have been out of a long time ago. Maybe it's a miracle you need in your life. What is that thing you are stepping out trusting Jesus with? What are you going to step out and trust Jesus with? Father, I pray right now as we respond we are all Peter (laughs) how many things do we see just lining up in our life same as what he walked through the mistakes we make Lord the times that we judge others based on their walk with Christ Lord that we would come to relationship with you that what matters is where we stand with you that our eyes would be fixed on you Jesus And that we would trust you that you will not let us sink when we step out in faith. And so right now, Father, we respond in faith, believing that you will help us walk on water. That the miracle is already happening, that the miracle has already begun as we step out in faith, that you have it under control. And we trust you with it, Father, this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to take just a moment before we close. I always want to give this opportunity. If you were listening to this and you thought, I've never trusted Jesus. I've heard stories about him. I've, I've maybe heard Bible stories, but I've not made him my savior. I haven't stepped out of the boat trusting Jesus with my soul. And I want to do that. I want to give you that chance. We're all rowing in an ocean that we will never be able to get out of on our own strength. It requires Jesus. So can we bow our heads and close our eyes one last time? And if you're in this room and you've never given your heart to Jesus and right now you say, I want to give him my life, no longer living on my terms, but trusting him with my eternity with my soul because one day when I die I will step into eternity and I want to know that I stand right before God and that means surrender in this life now so if you're ready to give your life to Jesus surrender to him fully raise your hand raise it high I want to pray with you raise it high yeah thank you anyone else 
Anyone else? Yes, thank you. I see that. I see that. Thank you. Anyone else? Lord, I pray with these that have raised their hands for the step of faith getting out of the boat. Releasing control, our own control, is a scary thing. Lord, we put our lives into your hands knowing that you've already begun the miracle. And so together we pray this. Church, repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for coming after me. While I was lost in my own storm, of my own making, of my own sin, you entered in to give me life. I give you my heart, Jesus. I give you my soul. Forgive me of my sins. I make you my king and I make you my God. I will follow you from this day forward. In your name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus, that we can have victory, that we have freedom, that we have salvation in your name, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Well, this morning, there's a few things we want to do as we close out today. Um, If you've done your connection card already, you are welcome to do a second connection card. I just want to make you aware of a few announcements that are coming up. First of all, um, we have on the 30th of this month, the last Sunday of this month, we are having a special guest. His name is uh, Lee McLeod. He is our one of the network pastors at the Oregon Ministry Network. He's one of our lead pastors um, over church development. And I have been lead pastor here now for nine months of about, I don't know, somewhere in there. Uh, but we have not yet had a formal, I don't know if you have a, a slide for that, honey, down at the very bottom. We have not yet had a formal uh, installation Sunday for the lead pastor. So he's going to be here on the 30th. It's, it's, it's a very meaningful service for me um, and, and for the church. It's going to be a time where we uh, commission me as your pastor and church, the church congregation together as we go out together, go forward. So I uh, really look forward to being here as a celebration time, a time of vision uh, as Lee is with us. So that's going to be just one service. Um, so that's going to be at 11 o'clock on the 30th. So everybody say 11 o'clock. I'll be there. All right. You're the 930 service. So it's most important that I get this through to you guys or else you're going to. Uh, you're going to miss it. So 11 o'clock on the 30th, it's going to be a very special Sunday. Uh, next up, we want to let you know that we have a baptism Sunday coming up on February 13th. So if you have committed to follow Jesus, if you raised your hand, if you wrote it down in your connection card, or if the last several weeks you've been following Jesus and, it, and you're ready to t- tell the world, I'm ready to follow Jesus, I'm ready to make that commitment and let the world know, this is a command of Christ that after we give our life to Jesus, we're to let the world know and proclaim it by being baptized. It symbolizes our death to ourselves and being raised to new life in Christ. So I encourage you to sign up on your connection card. We'll connect with you, let you know the steps that we're going to take so that you are ready for that day. It's going to be a wonderful celebration day together. And finally, um, we have a baby dedication Sunday coming up February 27th. So um, we're going to have just a really special Sunday as we dedicate our children to the Lord. It's really modeled after what we see with both Hannah and with Mary and Joseph, what they did with Jesus. They presented Jesus at the temple. We're going to present our children before God and say, Lord, we pray your blessing over these children. We pray that they would be dedicated to your purposes and your glory. And we dedicate ourselves. We consecrate our hearts and our congregation to say, we, as far as, as it is with us, we're going to lead our children to know Christ. And so we're going to pray over them. So if you want to have your children, your babies dedicated, um, make sure you let us know on your connection card. That's going to be a very special Sunday on February the 27th. Um, with that said, I believe that's all of our announcements. Oh, wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. Sign up for your life groups. This is... Pastor Ty would have killed me. He would have literally run up here and tackled me off this platform. 
This is the last Sunday to sign up for life groups. Okay, so get signed up for life groups. I want to have dinner with you. If you haven't signed up for the six by six, that's going to be the best group that meets. So make sure you sign up for that one. No, I'm kidding. But um, sign up for those groups. We want to be in communication with you, connecting with you. There's clipboards at the back or in the in the lobby to sign up on. There's a website that's been beautifully designed by one of our members here that put that together. If you go to our website, you can go to the groups page and find it there. So make sure you sign up for life groups. And that's the last... No, wait, there's more! Oh, that's good. We're good. Okay, make sure you're following the Bible plan with us. It's really cool. We have like almost 40 people reading the Bible together right now on the Bible app. It's super cool to see. And to see your comments as, as God is speaking to you through, through, through your Bible reading, I've really enjoyed doing that. So make sure if you're not reading the Bible with us right now, sign up to read the Bible with us on the Bible app. All right, let's stand together. Let's stand together. Father, I pray over your church, Lord, that you would give us courage to step out in faith. Out of the boat, trusting you, Jesus. Despite the wind and the waves, that we would keep our eyes fixed on you. We thank you, Father, that you are already at work for the miracle. And together, all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you, go, and God go with you. Amen.